SDI membership is about being part of a global contemplative movement that contributes to peace, justice, and living in right relationship with all living beings. The SDI Learning Community is a group of compassionate listeners who are committed to serving others on their spiritual journeys. Everyone is welcome to become a member of SDI, which also supports our work to advocate for the healing contemplative modalities of spiritual direction and companionship. Become a new member or renew your membership on SDI's secure online store at sdicompanions.org. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. A few weeks ago, I sat down with our executive director, Reverend Seifu Singmalaras, to have a back-to-basics conversation around spiritual companionship. So this podcast we've been doing for five years, I want to say, and over 150, 160 episodes. I guess what I'm trying to say here is I just wanted to have a back-to-basics conversation about what is spiritual companionship. I know that there's new folks in our community. There are uh, folks who are discovering SDI. They're they're interested in spiritual companionship, uh, but uh, they might, they're curious, but they they maybe have never done it before. Uh, and so I just wanted to ask just some basic questions. Uh, what is spiritual companionship? How does it compare to mental health? Why do we need spiritual companionship in our lives? What does it look like? Should we pay for it? You know, just some basic questions uh, for, for folks who are curious about the modality and maybe looking to work with a spiritual director or companion themselves. So here's this conversation and it's a, it's a good one and I hope that you enjoy it. So this podcast is over 150 episodes, lots of interviews and stories with various people in the SDI community, spiritual directors, spiritual companions. And if you go all the way back to 2018, 2019, I don't even remember. We did a few initial episodes on just what is spiritual companionship? Who is it for? How is it similar? How is it different to, say, spiritual direction, which is in the name of this organization? And how does it benefit people? But I think it's buried because it's, uh, you know, 150 episodes back. And so I've been wanting to do this for a while, which is just get back to basics and talk about the essences of these practices and why we think they're so helpful for people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm just going to ask very straightforward questions. First question, what is spiritual companionship? Uh, Walking alongside the companion, someone you're companioning, as they make their way into a spiritual exploration of ultimate meaning and purpose. Okay. An exploration of ultimate meaning and purpose. Do you think that's something that people think about a whole lot? I'm not sure they would frame it that way, but I think we all instinctively think about it when we... 
when we ponder those those bigger issues, you know, why am I here? And and not just at the level of, you know, punching the clock, both in our job and personal lives, doing the routines, doing the things that we think are expected of us, but but issues of, you know, what does it mean to be on this little sphere and like a micro dot in the galaxy, which is a micro dot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, an immense universe that we don't even understand how it works, right? how large it is or how it works. Does everybody think about that? I think in, instinctively we do because we're all afraid of death. And why are we afraid of death? Because we think it's over. And so that's very much tied to, so then what is the purpose, what is the real purpose of our, us being here in the first place? Yeah. So I'm not sure they would frame it in, in terms of ultimate meaning, but they, they would probably speak about God or they would speak about purpose or, or, or usually what I get is a lot of people going, there's an itch, it's been with me for decades, and it's not an itch anymore, it's, it, I'm howling in pain. Something inside me, or not necessarily pain, I'm howling, because something, that nagging little thing that's been there all along has grown into full-blown demanding my attention, and um, I'm going to be unhappy and unresolved until I can get ahead of it. Yeah. Do you think that's like happening collectively right now in the world? Because it seems to me, and it's hard to argue, there's just a lot of fear and distrust and anger with, uh, in general, in, in the world today, in, in culture, you know, around current events and around wars and yeah. terrorism and economics and politics, there's, the list goes on, right? Yeah, there's a lot of cumulative stress, I would say, and there's a lot of grief and loss and uncertainty and insecurity. Um, and more than anything, I think it's kind of disheartening and demotivating to see the baser parts of our nature kind of on full display rather than the better parts of our nature. We're capable of both, and they're obviously interconnected, deeply interconnected. But we seem to be on a cycle of increased and very visible conflict, like a lot of things that have been hiding in the shadows for some time across the world have all come into the light of day. And those aren't, those things are more tribal impulses, more violence of various kinds, not just physical violence, but emotional, psychological, and spiritual violence. And it's been going on. COVID obviously made it worse um, by exacerbating feelings of alienation and disconnection among many of us uh, around the world. And so after four or five years of this, there's a lot of cumulative stress and PTSD and people acting out in all sorts of ways that they normally would act out on you know, throughout the world. And yeah. I'm, I'm not just talking individuals, I'm talking states yeah and groups and you know all sorts of collective um, groupings there is a lot that just seems broken with the way the world works 
and even evil, you could call it. And it's hard to be hopeful. It's hard to be joyful. It's hard to see goodness, beauty, truth. Those are kind of big concepts. And I'm noticing that we're not talking about spiritual companionship. I think we're talking about spirituality. Okay. Which is fine. Well, I mean, I think they're, they're interconnected, but I, but I, you know, I'm just going to um, bring us back. I, I think the, the issues that are facing us as spiritual companions, spiritual directors, is that we tend to a lot of those visible wounds in others, or we help them tend to their own wounds, I guess I should say. And because we are in a healing modality or supportive modality, we absorb a lot of that and we have all our own discusses of our own life and the environment. And so collectively, the weight that we uh, directors and companions, spiritual directors and companions are carrying is probably heavier than it has been in a very long time. Yeah. For most of us, right? I mean, there's exceptions. There's people who kind of live in that space, like end-of-life caregiver, you know, spiritual directors and others who who specialize in those areas where the stress is continuous and they figured out different strategies. But for, for the vast majority of us who engage in more, in different types of companionship and direction, it's, it's probably more severe than it's been in a long time. Yeah. So if I if I've never worked with a spiritual companion before and I'm carrying all this weight and stress, what can I expect in in seeking out a spiritual companion to work with? First, you can you can expect to be to be heard and witnessed, right? You can thought you can expect you should expect a person who is going to sit with you and let you speak your heart and do it in a place where you can feel safe expressing what's really going on with you um, in a respectful environment, in a confidential environment. And so the first part is to be heard. You can expect to be genuinely heard and listened to. You can expect to be witnessed so that you don't feel alone. You know, I, I, I get a lot of the thank you for not making me feel like I'm crazy from uh, the people I companion. And it's not, um, it's just that this kind of conversation is not in the mainstream, usually. It's kind of like yeah. shifted aside or, mm. or it's reserved for Sundays or it's reserved for my temple or my synagogue or my mosque or, or my community, whatever that community looks like. And... Um, it's in the mainstream now. The, 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 I mean, the, the grief, the hurt, and as where we started, and, and what it's triggering us, triggering in us, not in a negative trigger way, but as, as in this search for ultimate meaning and purpose, is in the, in the bloodstream of humanity right now in a, in a bigger way because of all the conflict that we're going through. So when you go to a spiritual director and companion, you should expect to feel heard, to be listened to, to be witnessed, and to be supported in your explorations of God, the universe, ultimate spiritual meaning, ultimate spiritual purpose. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that 
that this is these conversations, these spiritual companionship conversations are not just for Sunday. They're not just meant for, say, a therapist, yeah. mental health professional. And it seems like spiritual companionship has relationship to, you know, both religion mm-hmm. and maybe a one-on-one mental health relationship. Uh, it, but it's, but it's not attached yeah. to either so, of those. So I would, I would use the term spiritual health. You know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a useful distinction to make. We're not yeah. mental health pra- practitioners, but we treat, we, we treat, we, people bring their whole selves to us, right? They, they don't say, okay, I'm going to park my trauma at the door because that doesn't belong in a spiritual companioning relationship. No, on the contrary, the first thing that they put on uh, in front of us is their trauma, because that's the place where the rub is, right? And so we have our modality. We're spiritual directors and spiritual companions, and we approach things from that perspective. How does this relate to the search for ultimate purpose, ultimate spiritual meaning? How is this? Um, how can we, as spiritual companions, facilitate that? We're not mental health practitioners. If someone has a psychiatric disorder, we need to refer back out, right? If it's a severe psychiatric disorder or mental health disorder, then obviously um, uh, we need to step back and say, you know, this is not what I do. What what we do is is help you, uh, you know, help help you sort out for yourself. These issues of spiritual, you know, spiritual hygiene and spiritual purpose and spiritual meaning, and but that's a big bucket because you bring everything to it. We bring everything to it, and they bring everything to it as well. They bring their whole selves, warts and all, traumas and all, and that's actually as it should be in a spiritual companion relationship because that is the stuff that we have to work with to be able to grow from. Right, we can't grow if we're in some kind of stunted spiritual, you know, arrested development, right? Where we're stuck because something happened. Let me give an example: somebody was hurt by a priest when they were young, and they have an aversion to, you know, being in in a, a spiritual relationship with, where there's a power dynamic because they've been abused by someone who was when they were in that kind of relationship. How do you develop enough trust, help them develop enough trust in the process that they can go, oh, I know why I have a reaction here. It's because of this thing that happened when I was younger. And how do, how do you kind of reorient? Well, you know, you have to evaluate these deeper issues that we're talking about, which is that love and hate intermingle and, and darkness and light. And I'm not talking about darkness as being the negative or the light being the positive, that could be, and that could be inverted. You, you could look at it in different ways. But all dualisms necessarily intermingle and dance with each other all the time. And so when that gets distort, twisted and distorted, we have to um, nurture and support someone so that they can reorient and shift their perspective. Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> really important, that paradox of... You know the way there's no duality; these 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 areas overlap and commingle, even while defining spiritual health, right? Which is, you know, you might say is distinct from mental health and from physical Absolutely. health. Absolutely distinct. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
But they also overlap. Yes, there's overlap in that. You could, that you're very right to point that out. I mean, there's. It's not like when you go to your mental health practitioner, you say, "Well, I'm going to have to park all my spiritual issues at the door because they're mental health practitioners. They don't deal with spirituality, or vice versa." That's just not the way it works. There's always necessary overlap, and this, that's okay as long as that in the extremes you're not in a position where you're trying to diagnose somebody with a mental health disorder on one end, right? If you're a, if you're a spiritual companion or on the other end if you're a you know mental health professional and you don't really have a lot of background in spirituality meditation or the the practices that emanate from it like mindfulness and i'm not talking about corporate mindfulness in the marketplace or how it's been adopted by psychologists i'm talking about the roots of the practice and and vipassana and various types of buddhism and in other and other religions as well you know, we, we should all be mindful of our lanes, but we should also be mindful that our lanes are not um, as narrow as we think. They're sometimes quite expansive. Yeah. And they need to be because we treat, we treat holistically. Mm. And what does that treatment look like? I mean, you named it at the beginning of the conversation. We, you can share. You, we invite you to speak and yeah. we will listen. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say the, the first part of it is we need to get to know each other, right? And that's really, if I'm the companion and you're the companion E, um, I'm going to invite you to share with me as much as you're comfortable sharing at one point, at any point, um, so that I can better understand your larger, the larger context and so I can figure out the appropriate ways to support you. And, you know, people usually come... It's crisis that drives a lot of these dialogues, right? When you're feeling spiritually like you're on the moon, you're usually not going to go to a spiritual companion. Although I shouldn't say that because sometimes you can, you know, feel like that's overboard too and you want to be grounded. Mm -hmm. But usually people come and they say, I have a crisis. I have a spiritual crisis. And um, so I need to get to know you and... You need to know that I'm going to listen as you tell me as much as you want to tell me. And as the relationship between the two of us develops, you're going to trust me more. You're going to say, tell me more about what's going on. And that, as you uncover that for, for me, you uncover it for yourself too. And then we can, you know, kind of both, both look at it in whatever way we've been trained to, each of us, and uh, explore it together. So that's... That's one of the basics is, is allowing the whole person to present themselves as they, as, at whatever rate and pace they want to and as much or as little as they want to at any, at any moment. Yeah. Do you think that anything is off limits for what a person can bring to spiritual companionship? Yes, uh, I, I do. Um, so if you're in a psychotic state, right, because you have some kind of imbalance or you, you have a, a mental health disorder and um, our spiritual directors and companions, we should be well, trained well enough to know, oh, no, 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 this is not, this is a, this is a person who needs to be in a care of certified mental health professionals, right? I cannot help here. And being able to catch that quickly is very important. And um, 
that's happened on on some occasions with people at Companion where I realized, oh no no no, this is not. There's something mm, we can't deal with the spiritual issue yet. Th these are kind of like they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to hurt somebody else, and they need to be in a place where that can be treated actively at that level before we can get to the spiritual dimension. And they're not mutually exclusive, but if someone is in a psychotic state and they're running around, you know, it looks like they're going to be running up and down the street with a knife because they think someone is attacking them and then they're going to attack other people, we're not going to treat that with spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. They need to be tended to and taken to the hospital and taken to a treatment facility where they can... Um, where they can be in a position where they are not a threat to themselves or to others. So that's one one very very clear exception. If they're sure. a threat to themselves or to others, then we can't, you know, we have to let go immediately. Yeah. So, okay. So say that I am, like a lot of us, just troubled by world events. We're deeply saddened, deeply angry, deeply confused by wars happening around the world, innocents being murdered. Any number of things, and uh, we despair, feel despair. Is that how can a, how can spiritual companionship help with that sense of despair? And you know, I guess you would call it not darkness because it's not necessarily darkness, but yeah, it's the it's the the nurturing shadows, right? It's the the it's. It's the darkness that, that, that from the darkness of despair or the light of despair, whatever analogy you want to use, and both are, are actually fine. Too much, too much light can also be a, a source of despair. Um, what, whatever that is, uh, that's where we need to excavate, right? In, in order to, to, to find out what's going on. And it's actually an entry point, right? I mean, we've talked many times about how most of the religious and spiritual leaders, I think without exception, and some people actually argue that point, but, you know, Jesus on the cross or the Buddha when he first discovered that there, were, there was such a thing as death outside of, of his paradigm paradise and you know, the palace walls, or, or uh, Muhammad in his own dark night of the soul, when they are triggered, that's where spiritual flourishing really starts. That's the seed, that despair and that suffering and that loss and that realization of impermanence is where, is the entry point to spiritual growth and maturity. And that's counterintuitive to some extent because people are, we're all programmed to run away from things that, that make us feel bad or to not want to fall prey to them. That's a healthy response. But the truth is we can't, none of us can escape it, right? I mean, our hearts are, are going to be broken yeah. in our lives. It's going to happen. It happens to every single one of us. There's no exceptions to that. Heartbreak is hard. And it hurts. Yes. And so I could just say, well, I'm just going to turn off the news. I'm just going to protect myself. Right? right. That seems like the easier choice. Yeah, I think that's sometimes an appropriate choice, by the way. I know you have a question coming, but I would say this. Sometimes mm, turning away is, is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. 
I actually do because there's lots of beauty in the world that isn't necessarily reported by news. Yeah. We, we can go looking for it. And I think this is where spiritual companionship can help remind us of the goodness and joys in our life and in the world. And I think, but back to the despair question, it gets back to what you were talking about around ultimate meaning. What happens when we die? What is death? Yes. Because I think when we see people dying wrongly and unjustly, it raises questions within us. If we're willing to explore them mm -hmm. around death, finality, yeah. you know, a, a life taken from us, you know, what does it mean? What does that mean? Um, yes. Yes. I think, I think I, you know, I, I listened to um, a Dharma talk from an old teacher of mine just, just about a week ago. And it it was a it was a talk that centered around making apologies to people who are long gone. Making how do you apologize to someone who's no longer here? Right? Can you do such a thing? Mm -hmm. And most of us would say, Well, no, it's impossible. I've missed my chance. They're gone. I can't apologize. And what he was saying that actually resonated was, you know, we talk about so-called dead people and so-called live people as if there is a hard and fast distinction between them. And certainly on the relative scale, that's true. But on the absolute level, I'm not sure that that's true, right? Um, if, if, if that, um, if it was a case that there was a hard divide, then hundreds of millions and billions of people would not have find and be finding inspiration in the message of, spiritual and religious leaders who've been dead for 2,000 years or more or much more in some cases, thousands of years in some religious traditions, right? But the fact of it is that they speak to us with an immediacy that exceeds the immediacy of our own most private, intimate relationships in our relative lives, in our daily lives. So why is that? It's because they're very much alive. They're very much alive. And they're very much alive in, in very, very, in the most profound way possible. And so his distinction around so-called dead people and so-called, you know, living people is, is, centered around, is centered around this, this exploration that we do in spiritual companionship and, and spiritual direction, which is what is it about them and their message? And pick, pick your spiritual or religious leader, whichever one appeals to you most whether dead or living. And what is it that they're speaking? And it's not, they're not speaking a truth that originates from them. They're uh, speaking a truth that flows through them. Hmm. And that's a big distinction. That it's not their property. It's where, you know, vessels, they're vessels to convey some deeper meaning and some deeper spiritual meaning and purpose that's always there. And it's always been there. Right? Can I answer where it came from? Where? I, no. I mean, I can give you an answer, but I ultimately I don't know where it came from. But it's there. We can feel it, and we respond to it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we can find our way to that deepest essence, the one that's communicated across thousands of years of time 
and space without a net, the vessel needing to be alive for us to receive it. Um, that, that should make us less afraid of, that should lessen many of the fears that we have about the hopelessness of our daily existence when we're feeling that, you know, what's the, why, what am I doing here? You know, this, things aren't going well in my life or things aren't going well in the world. Uh, gosh, things are really, really bad. And if we can help see that there's, there's a deeper perspective going on, then I think that's a source of great hope. And it's usually born out of, oh, and did you notice that, you know, one day you're here and one day you're gone, the next day you're gone? What does that mean? And is that really true? that one day you're here and the next day you're gone. And the challenges challenges you spiritually to look at those assumptions and see if there's not a deeper message hidden in there somewhere. I'm tallying questions for future conversations with you around okay. mysticism and yeah. you know the essence of wisdom and all of this. Um, but I'm going to ask you a couple of just practical questions around yeah. spiritual companionship. And so what, uh, what does a spiritual companionship session normally look like or generally look like? Maybe I should say. Yeah. So they're, they're typically 50 minutes to an hour. Um, that seems to be a good amount of time for any conversation actually with the spiritual companions or doctors or mental health professionals or whatever. And, you know, you usually bring yourself as the, the person who's being companioned um, and you do a check-in. It, it starts with, you know, you, you can start with a moment of silence, meditation. You can start with um, a check-in. How, how are things going is usually the first question, right? And so, well, I had a good week or I faced this difficulty or I'm still facing the difficulty that I've been carrying with me for 40 years or 50 years since I was a child or 60 or whatever. And um, then there's some, you, you know, just by, by being listened to, by putting it out in the open and releasing it into view, that's already cathartic. That's already cathartic. Somebody is listening to my innermost thoughts. Somebody is hearing my spirituals of my spiritual struggle and is being attentive and mindful and respectful and um, not in problem solving mode, not trying to solve my problems for me. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing if they, if, if you're being companion and you ask for help, then depending on, on what you're asking for, that, that may be appropriate. But usually what you want to do is, is feel like you're being witnessed. So you unfurl. Um, as the spiritual companion, I might ask you a few, you know, say more, say a little more about this. Um, if you're comfortable, say a little more about this so I can understand the context better. And I've also found, I'm sure you have as well, that there, as, there, as the people we're companioning are unfurling themselves, they're answering their own questions. Right, because once by the act of releasing that innermost whatever it is, heartbreak or or even joy and, and, and exhilaration and 
and uh, sense of accomplishment, whatever it might be, they they actually open themselves up to various perspectives on it, their own perspectives, right? They go, oh, well, now that I talk, now that I just mentioned that, I'm thinking maybe it could be this other thing. Maybe I'm looking at this and I've been looking at this in the wrong way. So, um, and then I think it really varies, at least for me, depending on what each person is looking for, right? And, um, and, and depending on what kind of issues they're looking for. I, I have noticed some themes, which is people want more contemplative grounding when they're in dark, right? when they're in, not dark, when they're in spiritual places where they feel ungrounded, when they're on, in ungrounded mm. spiritual spaces. Yep. And so, so we listen and we try to provide some grounding, grounded response. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction to make. We feel ungrounded rather than necessarily being in crisis or in darkness or whatever. We are ungrounded from what is, what is true to us. Well, and ungrounded is a great place to be. It means we're open. Hmm. It means we're open to exploration. It means we're in, a, in, a, in I don't know mode, right? And I don't know mode is a perfect... Um, beginner's like beginner's mind is like I don't know this is something new to me right I hadn't considered that perspective and I'm really talking in spiritual terms now yeah and that's true every single day of our lives no matter how much experience wisdom we've accumulated we still don't know in fact you might say that the more we think we know the more we realize that we really don't know anything yeah well, I'm saving this one for a future conversation, too, because I thought that being smart and having all the answers was a good thing. But well, let's park that one. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how do I find a spiritual companion to work with? Well, at SDI, we have a Find a Spiritual Companion Guide. And there's 6,300 people listed on there or something like that. I don't know the exact number, but it's, it's in the 6,000 range. And... There are spiritual directors, companions with all sorts of backgrounds and life experiences. And so if you're looking for someone who um, is, a fam is familiar to you, because that's what's going to make you comfortable, um, then you can sort through the information that we have on, on the database and find people like that. If you have a particular issue that uh, is troubling you, there's, there's grief experts, there's there's people with expertise with gender identity, with anti-racism, you know, and all of these from a spiritual perspective, obviously. Um, um, so lots of ways you can triage and you should do your homework like you do when you go find a doctor or a lawyer or a mental health provider. You don't just go, oh, okay, mental health, it says mental health professional, you know, professional, I'm going to pick them because, no, you want to say, is this person have the right qualifications for me right and what does that mean i want somebody who's got a union background i want someone who's got a, a christian or a zen background i want someone who's a naturalist i want someone who's a musician a spiritual director or companion who's got some musical sensibilities because i'm a musician and that's how i talk that's my language i want someone who can speak my language so that's one category the other category is people who just want to be challenged to get outside of their comfort zone and go, 
the last thing I want is someone who's, I'm tired of speaking my language. I want to learn a new language. So I want to go to someone who is going to provide a radically different perspective on what's going on from what I'm used to. And that is also extremely valuable. Both of those approaches. And sometimes you can find a spiritual director companion who is willing to, to both speak your language and speak another language to challenge you. Speak a, one language that you're comfortable with to make you feel at ease so that you can open yourself up. And then when you're ready, you tell them, and now I'm ready, you know, I've thought about this and I want to be, and I want to learn a new language, help me. You speak another language, and so you help me, you know, explore. Yeah, that's an interesting image, speaking two yeah. languages. One that's, one is fluent in and one that challenges you. Well, yeah, it's like making, you know, it's, it's like anything that, it's like, I have a PhD in English literature and I want to find another professor to have a, you know, highly erudite, educated conversation about Shakespeare or whatever. And the other one is, I want to learn something new and I need to find a teacher or guide or mentor or companion who can walk alongside me as I learn this new modality. Both are perfectly fine approaches. Yeah. In fact, they're usually complementary. One, you know, one can usually leads to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. So last question for today. Should I be willing to pay a spiritual companion for their time and service? Yes, you should. All of us need to make a living. All of us need to put a roof over our head and and food in our mouths and tend to our families and and be able to and and so and that's always been the case. Someone's always paying for this, even if you belong to a religious institution. That institution is supporting you, right? If you're a monk or a nun, and that's part of the quid pro quo that you have is I will provide spiritual direction. And that you, the, the, the mother organization, will provide me a place to live and food and, you know, whatever. So there's always a cost involved in the way we've structured this. And because we all need to, to, we all need to be able to feed ourselves and to put loose over our head. And spiritual companions and spiritual directors are no different. And um, their work should be valued. Our work should be valued as well. Yeah. In that way, that's not the only way to value the work, and sure. it's not doesn't mean that in every there's not exceptions to that rule. I mean, all of us have sliding scales, right? There's some people who need support, spiritual support, and, and I provided you know free of charge, and because that's appropriate. And there's in general, if you know some stipend or some fee is is reasonable, just just like it is with everything else, the way our our world society is organized. Sure. It's like visual art, right? Like some artists sell their work for millions of dollars and some people give it away freely and then there's everything else in between. It's right. like a wide spectrum. Right. Yeah. But as a rule, yes. Mm-hmm. You should expect to pay. Good. Something. Because you you value, not only do you value the what they're bringing, but you value what you're getting. Yeah. And so you, you're not just putting a price on what them, you're putting a price on yourself, and that makes sense, and I don't want to stretch this analogy too far, but if it's valuable to you, don't you want to invest in it? Sure. 
I mean, we buy good running shoes to so that we can go jogging, and we we pay for medical attention, you know, when we break a limb or have a heart attack or need to see a doctor. We pay a therapist. So we also should be valuing our spiritual health. In fact, you might you might say that in a society where we don't value our spiritual life enough, we should be paying special attention to it. Mm. At least equal to every every other facet that we pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. That's a good place to pause. Okay. Well, thank you. No, thank you. I want to have like 10 more of these. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.